there are so many things about the game that, uh, you know, make us sh- shake our heads, ask ourselves, when are we going to wake up and work as one? You know, grab all the stakeholders. Um, I'm reminded just this week, uh, Jack Riley, who was one of our superstars of 74, the goalkeeper of the team that actually made it to the World Cup after years in, the, in limbo in the wilderness, has, has said he's so distraught, so disappointed with the lack of real progress that he wants to uh, end his days in Scotland. Now, I know he's got family there, but I would love him to stay right where he is in a beautiful part of Tasmania. Um, there are serious questions that need to be addressed. Let's hope. Let's hope out of all the muck and mire, we can get some real positivity through. He said, and I, and I love this, he believed that we should have, from day one, started a future fund, mm. a future fund for the game to build a war chest. Now, I'm just wondering, there's a lot of talk about this national second division that's just around the corner. And if I'm to believe all the good stuff, 2023 may well be the, uh, the green light to see a second division. Are they thinking about, you know, the 30-odd clubs? Have they put their hand up and said, yeah, yeah, we understand that maybe the, the game when it started didn't do the right thing, but we're going to do the right thing. I think we should talk to the man at the top, uh, the chair of the AAFC, Nick Galatas. Nick, do you understand where we're coming from? Jack Riley has always believed that the game was good enough, smart enough, and should have had a future fund built into it. Good bloke, Jack, um, and good keeper. Um, good day, George and um, and Josh. Um, as you said, George, off the top, um, uncomfortable times to be yes, talking very about, much so. about these sorts of things, but perhaps maybe apt and not to belittle what's going on, but maybe we're talking unity here at least, if not um, you know, unity around the world. But that's what we're about. And as I said, I'm not, not to belittle for one moment um, what's going on in, um, in Ukraine and people around there who obviously are particularly stressed at this point in time, if not much, much worse. So, um, But here we are. So we carry on with our lives. And um, to your question, George, yes, um, I, Jack is someone who obviously was greatly invested in the game throughout his, throughout his life, a player, administrator, supporter, fan um, and always had great ideas. So I know where he's coming from and really what his, um, uh, his I think, comment was directed at was some a response. It's really a response comment to the predicament the game is in. And there's lots of responses, possible responses. We um, are looking to sort of contribute to that. And our clubs are coming at it from the right perspective. They've, um, they're still there. Um, they're, they're survivors. That's what they've been for the last... Um, whatever number of years each of them has existed, minimum 50 to six, I think six is the average. Um, and what they want to do is contribute. That's what we're about. And that's what I'm here to talk about, how we contribute um, to growing our game. And it's really just about growing our game. Let's not forget, let's not focus on being the best for a minute and always those sorts of things, which mm. is the ultimate aim, but let's just focus on growing the game. And if we think we've got a, a game that's, gro- that's larger and united, then we'll find our level. And whatever that level is, we'll be comfortable with it because it will be our level. Mm. Uh, so let's let's find it. Let's get there. Uh, Nick Galatas is our special guest on State of Our Football Nation on FNR. George Danikian along with Josh Parrish. We're talking about the possibility that in the best possible light, 
There's a national second division up by 2023. There's a Women's World Cup just around the corner. Have we got, yes. have we got enough expertise and uh, desire to see all of these things roll up and make 2023 almost a watershed year? I think so, uh, George. And not only that, I, it's it's part of momentum. And I think it's uh, I don't see it as a, as a dilution of expertise. I see it as um, a coming together of expertise and a focusing of the mind. And that's what it does. The World Cup it focuses all of us on football, um, and it focuses the mind. It it, it, um, it makes us or it gives us momentum, um, and it gives us impetus. So yes, there is enough um, expertise, intelligence, will. Um, around this country, uh, experience um, and um, absolute and, and faith in what we're doing. So, yes, is the short answer, George. There is. Well, we know AAFC has been putting out reports into the feasibility of a national second division and proposed models for quite some time, but this is your final mission statement uh, <laughs> that's come out this week. Tell us, uh, if people haven't read it, what are the headline items, decisions and, and findings uh, that have come forward in this report. Okay. Firstly, to place it in some context, um, Josh, Football Australia has said time and again and has repeated recently, it will introduce a national second division. So that's the starting point. It will introduce a national second division and it's talking about 2023. We're, we're very hopeful that can happen by 2023 and expected to. So what we're saying is that when you look at it, uh, where's it going to come from? Who, who's going to comprise this, this new competition? It will be existing clubs. We don't see, um, um, or there might be a, a, a coming together of some of them, but we don't see new entities being formed specifically for the purpose. It will be current top tier next level clubs below the A-League who will comprise it. So therefore we've come together and we've thought, okay, what can we do? What's the best we can do? Not what's the uh, what's the outlier, what's, what's the dream we can do? What's the best we can do to start with? Because we all agree we must start. So if we don't start, we'll be here talking about it when, you know, and the next generation is um, the next Josh, George and Nick will be here in about 20 years discussing what a good idea this might be. So let's not not do that. Let's start. So the headline is, where can we start? And we're saying we can put somewhere between 12 and 16 teams together and work uh, um, in the first year. And they're going to have 20 odd players each. So let's call it 300 odd players. That's 300 new positions. Mm. Um, for mostly, and I'll say mostly, mostly young players will populate this because that's who will be attracted to it, plus coaches, plus administrators at a higher level. Let's not forget that. Plus new money wanting to sponsor. Let's not forget that. So these are the these are the other headline items. There'll be a new competition, impetus given and underpinning the A-League. We're not here to you know knock it over or destroy. We're here to underpin it. We're here to bring our game together and to give the, the A-League, which is sort of floating up there now by itself, um, a base, something below, to give it some strength. And that's what we want to do. And we're saying there's a bunch of clubs out there, and this is the, our ethos. When we cut through it all, guys, mm. we, yeah, we've been thinking about this for a long time, and I certainly have, and writing about it and considering and distilling it. And what it amounts to is there's a lot of clubs out there. We've got a lot of clubs in this country, but we're preventing them from reaching the, um, the capacity and the potential. So if we just don't do that, if we let them rise... Let, the, let, let those who wish, those who are ambitious, those who are aspirational, those who are capable, if we just allow them to reach their potential, we will have another 10, 15, 20 clubs that will rise above their current station and they will be stronger clubs. And if you look around the world, it's not, it's not World Cups that, that bring the game, make the game stronger in those countries that win them. It's a strong game that makes them win World Cups. It's the other way around. 
So that's what I think we, we miss. We look at an Italy or a Germany or a Brazil or someone who wins a World Cup and we say, oh, look at that. They've won World Cups, look at their game. But it's the other way. They've had a strong game. They've got lots of clubs. Therefore, they produce lots of players. Um, there's a culture of football within those countries. Facilities everywhere for players to play. And as a result of that, guess what? Surprise, surprise. Good players emerge. Um, and that's what we need to do. Now, it's going to take time. This is not a panacea. It's not a silver bullet. We're not suggesting for a minute that what we produce is going to somehow solve every single problem and it'll be wonderful and fantastic. And this is it. This is not the one thing that is missing. It is a key thing that is missing. What we need is more good, strong clubs. Uh, and that will, I think, unite people. It will give people faith. It will give people that want to uh, drive and, and, and have ambition for the game um, and a willingness to achieve and to reach the top um, the go ahead, the green light to do so. And that's good for everyone. Absolutely everyone. Nick, Nick Alatas is the chair of AAFC or AAFC, which is the the body of clubs, 30 of them, 30. How do you get, Nick, just humour me for a moment. How do you get 15 or, or 16 clubs, you know, in this nas- second national division or this A, Lady League 2, for example, um, from thirty, I mean, somehow we've got to we've got to call or we've got to use the lottery system. I know tonight in Australia there's a lottery for 120 million, which is absurd when you consider that I grew up with the Sydney Opera House lottery, which was one million dollars, the grand total of a million dollars. Nick, can George, you believe it? Can you believe? I it? didn't grow up. I didn't grow up long after you. I'll tell you what I grew up. I grew up watching the cut slide I draw on a Saturday night with Mary Hardy. And, and it was a hundred thousand bucks. What was it? Mike Williams. And I got to a million or so. And, oh, I, wow. and, I was watch, and I was watching that for the simple reason. I remember on the Penthouse Club because Hugh Johns would come on with, on Star Soccer at eleven or eleven thirty, holding an umbrella in the rain, uh, introducing introducing the game. That's when it became a Leeds tragic. And you know, let's not talk about that today. Wow. Um, and um, and that's and that's what. But that, that's part of culture. And that was my that's what brought me into it at the time as a young kid. I was six or seven because I'm a Greek background. My parents didn't have any problems with me being up at midnight, but that was all of that. That's just between us, George, um, here. And so and, that, and that's that's the culture of the game. So yes, um, uh, you know, we've got 30 clubs. There's more than that, of course, interested around the country. These are 30. We've got many more members than 30. Let's not forget that. But you've got, got 30 100. solid signatures. We got, yeah, because we didn't get every club in the NP, in, in our membership. We, we represent the NPL. We haven't asked all of them to join what we've termed our partner group. We, we formed the partner group and this group of clubs, ambitious, aspirational clubs for the game. Not all of them are going to make the second division. Then they know it. You know, among them, they know who's front and centre and who's a little bit behind. But there's unity among them. They're not all clamouring to be in in year one, but they've all put up the same amount of money. They've all put up the same amount of commitment, time and effort over the last year and a half to produce this report. And it's a piece of work that I think we should all be proud of as, as a football nation uh, because it represents, these clubs represent um, people from around the country. There's Perth, there's Adelaide, there's Tasmania in here, there's Newcastle, there's Canberra, Sydney, Melbourne, of course, and Queensland, all represented in this group. So this is the football nation coming together, representing volunteers around the country, putting together a report, which we are proud of because it's something that represents a lot of work, a lot of hard work, and a distilling of the history of this country's football and its capacity into the future in a document. 
So we're very, very proud of it. We think, um, uh, and we're proud of the unity, as I say, within it, because the clubs aren't fighting among themselves. They're together and they've signed it. They've put their name to it front, front and centre and they said, here we are, we can do it, give us a chance. And I mean, what more What more can you ask for um, as, as a football nation to say, look, these clubs that have been there forever, who have really been going under through some restrictive times uh, in what they you know, can and can't do, uh, in this in the solo in which they find themselves, and two years of COVID later, let's not forget, mm. here they are putting up the cash, uh, putting up the time, the effort, um, and the commitment. So that's where we are, George. Uh, we've heard, you know, I was going to make a joke about hurting the cats, mm. but the reality is, I haven't had to do that. Um, they've all come together willingly um, and cooperatively. Well, I mean, that's fantastic to hear. Uh, the preferred model in this report for the National Second Division is a full, genuine home and away season as opposed to a sort of conference or Champions League style format that's been mooted as an option by Football Australia and others in the past. Uh, how do you plan to solve the tyranny of distance mm. and the expense of staging a genuinely national competition with a full home and away season? Are we going to make the country smaller, Josh? No, <laughs> There's a lot we can do. Look, um, no one is is pretending there aren't challenges, uh, and this country, you know, presents challenges. And in the end, it's about what's the best model, not what's an ideal model, and not how would we structure this if we had a chance. I mean, yes, we we don't have fifty million people living um, in a, in the place the size of Victoria. Um, that's not the and and that's just a reality. So what we're going to do is make sure that the economics of this model work, and that includes taking into account travel. So travel's a cost, no mm. doubt about it. Um, and it's a cost that some countries don't have. But when you look at the alternatives, and everyone does, and they say, oh, how do we solve travel? Let's look at breaking up the country in two and having conferences. Well, there's a cost to that. And the cost, the other cost that, to that is opportunity cost. You don't, you know, no one has Melbourne and um, Sydney in the same conference when you do that. They've got Sydney and Brisbane or Queen, New South Wales and Queensland, and they've got some sort of configuration of the south which doesn't quite make sense either when you think about it because it, it's lateral and it goes all the way across the perth or adelaide and and they, they come up with these sorts of configurations that are um don't solve the problem while adding a problem and that is they add an opportunity cost whereby top derbies won't happen mm. because of it. so we, we have to look at that and and so the the solution therefore lies in having a sustainable model in other areas of its cost, accommodating the trouble. That's what's going to happen. And we and we we outline that in the report. We say that where we start is not where we finish. So we've got to accommodate that at the beginning. We've got to make sure that what we um, pay uh, players, what we what we take into account in accommodation, we might, for example, initially uh, focus on not so many overnight stays when we have interstate games. Um, try and build games into daytime. That's to start with to ensure that. The first year or two, we launch well um, and we launch sustainably and then we, we, we go from there. Uh, and we're having productive discussions with lots of people about that, productive discussions with the PFA about that, how that might work um, and productive discussions, of course, with FA um, so that we make sure that we're all on the same page um, with the common aim of 
this thing's got to happen. So what's the best way for it to happen? And that's what we've considered in the report, the best way for it to happen. Now, just listening to you talking about that and uh, framing it in the language that you did, it suggests to me that the conversation started, you said young players. This is how we're going to be able to fill this competition. It won't be with bringing players in from outside for you know big amounts of money because what it is, it's about getting the next generation of potential Ollie Roos, Socceroos, Matildas and whatever – a chance to exactly. to play regular competitive football, which is the one complaint we hear from every tier of our game, don't we? Exactly, George. Exactly that. And one more thing. Um, I think a player needs to be able to see, legitimately see, a way forward. And you, you see... You mean I've in seen, linear terms? Yeah, in, line, in linear terms. So what, what happens is a player, you know, starts to stress at 16, 17, 18 years old, because they can see, okay, I'm in the NPL. Where am I at exactly? If I don't make, if I don't get picked up next year by an A League academy, where am mm, I? Mm, if I don't get, mm. well, what, what, you know? And that's that coincides with year twelve, year eleven, first year uni. There's a lot of other other um, competing um, factors that go into a young person's life. And mm. if they've got an opportunity to stay in the game, we lose them. We lose it them. Yeah. Well, that's right. It does two things. It keeps them in the game, and they therefore they may want some of those may go on. Uh, not all, of course. No. But the other thing it does, and let's not forget the other thing, and that is that we get more players playing longer. And that's a good in itself. Not all of them are going to play for the Socceroos and the Matildas. We yep. know that. Or, yep. or, or make it overseas in some club or in the A-League. But what they will do is stay playing in the second division, some of them. Or then having had an experience of 5, 10, 15 years in the game of enjoyment and taking out, put back in. Mm-hmm. That's culture. That's mm-hmm. how culture happens. It doesn't happen by disaffecting players losing them at 17, 18, 19, having paid all their NPL fees um, and getting parents and players unhappy because, you know, they, they got dropped off at 18 and had nowhere to go. And, and that's the bridge that's missing and we hope to provide. You speak of the bridge and I reflect on all the clubs, all the great community clubs that have been part of Australia's football history. And I can say with great clarity and great faith that the South Melbournes, the Sydney Olympics, the Melbourne Knights – the uh, the clubs that have, you know, the Arpias of the world, um, they, they have been, as you say, at the very top end of the cultural story. They've been yes. seeped and, and that's how they've enriched their communities, one, their cities, two, and uh, our football history, three. And we've got this concept of, of respect involved here as well, um, George, and concepts of... Um, of justice and when you contribute you know you want to be acknowledged you want to be understood you want to be respected and when, and when you're not allowed to do that and when you're told no 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 you must direct all your resources one way or the other you can't be what you can be mm. people you know they, they don't take kindly to that and even those who are you know there's some people who are angry but there's some people who just walk away mm. you know they lose interest that's the majority the majority aren't you know um expressing anger and frustration they just walk they, they they don't they don't engage and we and we think there's a lot of goodwill in the game we can recover for the game as a whole uh, and that includes our top tier at the moment for everybody if you flag to them you're wanted you're needed you're part of it you're a chance to be part of it mm. and to do it on your terms not to do it on what someone tells you to do you know you, you if you don't hurt when your team loses and you don't feel exhilarated when your team wins you're not going to stick 
you know, if you just go along and have a look and say, oh, that was nice, you're not going to stick. And I think that's part of what we're seeing at the moment. I mean, why is it that I hurt more when Leeds loses than when a local team loses now? It shouldn't be the case. Uh, as a Spurs man, I bleed every time yeah. we lose, and yeah. we lost at Turf Moor this morning, and I'm feeling yeah. sick. Good, because that's, I, I did too. Yesterday, right? Burnley, Burnley shouldn't be winning at the moment. That's another story. Let's not go there. Oh, yeah. um, so, yes, but that's that's what we want to, go. We want to make sure we engender into all of this, that we, we have people who choose a club that they love and they stick with them uh, and, and that they respect them and that we have a competition that is understood, respected for what it is. It doesn't have to be the greatest. We know it won't compare to... You know, EPL or La Liga or, you know, Serie A or Bundesliga, that's not going to happen and let's not kid ourselves. But who cares? If we've, got a, if we've got a league that we like, we've got clubs that we love and we're watching good football, we're going to be all part of it. We're going to go along on the weekend and watch our team play, uh, whoever, whoever, whichever team that may be. And if a team needs to drop into a low division or rise into a high division, that's all. how exciting, how fantastic. Imagine getting facilities built because your team's gone up a level um, partaken of some more income upstairs through broadcasting or whatever, and then you drop, and then you've got this great little pavilion that you wouldn't have otherwise had, or mm. a grandstand. I mean, it doesn't need to be we're fixed in a position uh, of treading water our whole lives. Let's let's allow this game to grow. That's what we're about. We just want to allow it to grow uh, and stop it and and take away the restrictions we have artificially put in. I, I've said George time and again, go back twenty years um, and look at what we did. We put seven teams in this country, seven alone. You talked about the distance and the tyranny of distance. Well, in this big, wide brown land, we thought it was a good idea to go with seven teams, one in each city, no more than one. Forget the fact that we've now changed model. Everyone forgets that, that we've gone from an intercity to an intra-city model. Mm. We put seven teams in place, men only, no women, no juniors, simply men, uh, in in a country the size of Australia, one in New Zealand, seven in Australia, and told every other team, you, you're not going anywhere. That's what we did. Let's put it bluntly. That was, the, that was the model, and someone thought that was a good idea. Now, that's not to say that what was there before it was perfect and brilliant, but let's look at what we put in place and how we can improve things. And we're saying, if we've learned anything from the last 20 years, it's that doesn't work. What works is allowing the best to, um, to reach their potential. That's what works. So let's, let's allow that to happen. Speaking of which, when will the promotion and relegation to the state MPLs come in? Because we know getting promotion and relegation to the A-League is a, is a longer-term goal of this competition. Uh, but when will we have a connected pyramid downwards? Uh, according to our model, we start off immediately doing that. Um, now, of course, um, you know, we'll, we'll consult with the member for uh, the FA. will take the, the lead on this shortly when they they've got a dedicated resource again or a point to this to bring it home. Um, and no doubt there will be discussions with how that works. And part of that will be when will the season run and how will it connect to the NPLs? And there's a bit of some mechanics to work out, which hopefully with goodwill, that won't be difficult. But our view is from the start, because the last thing we want is to create yet another um, um, uh, chasm and yet another silo where 12 teams come in off the top or 14 or 16 to start with, they grow, they strengthen, um, and then no one can jump into that. Mm. So we say we want a fluid system from the outset, which will also take away the pressure from everyone wanting to join in year one, thinking if we don't, we're not in. So if you think, okay, I'll be ready by year two, year three to challenge through the NPL, 
that allows an organic, um, orderly way of doing things. So we're going for it, Josh, from day one. That's our that's our model. We say that works best, but we'll see how um, what else is put to us and what else is proposed by member feds and FA and others. But our our uh, position is clear in the report. So what's next? What's next is um, Football Australia uh, are about to, as we've said in our press release, it's imminent we understand, to appoint someone. Um, I believe that someone will be a very well-regarded, well-credentialed, well-motivated, experienced person. Um, And I think uh, everybody will work with Football Australia and that dedicated resource to bring it home in the next few months to actually finalise this model. I mean, we think we've done the work, most of it. There's a bit more to do, but, you know, it's filling in gaps. And uh, football should go to the board, as I understand it, probably in the second half of this year, hopefully earlier earlier than later for approval. And then we go through the, um, let's get the clubs who are going to play sorted and ready to start. That's where we are. You know, we wish you all the very best, Uh, Nick. uh, It's a terrific opportunity to have you on board and to to give you an opportunity to give us the latest and give us a sense of just what is being planned behind the scenes. Almost enormous to see 30 clubs actually put, you know, signature down and say we yep. want to be a part of it. That, yep. ex- that, that's exhilarating. Um, I understand that there will be minor hurdles and, and obstacles and uh, the occasional ego because it, <laughs> that's, that's the game and it yep. happens around the world. But I'm yes. also reminded of two magic moments in Australian football history when South Melbourne sent a team as champions of Oceania to South America to play some of the biggest teams in the world. And the next team that had the opportunity was the Wollongong Wolves. Unfortunately, I think the tournament was uh, stalled or had to be postponed for other reasons. But two clubs, and one actually played, South Melbourne won, Wollongong Wolves two. They had the opportunity to, to showcase and represent the, the, the country known as Australia Down Under. Now, yep. that's, that's remarkable. World Club Championship. So yep. as you touched on earlier, okay, we don't want to be the Bundesliga. We can't possibly be the ZR. We can't possibly be the EPL. But we can be our own best league. And exactly. we still have the opportunity, the way the world competitions align and allow us, if we're good enough, to make ourselves uh, available. Yep. Which will happen every now and again, and, and the countries that aren't the, the, the embedded best will have their day. Australia has a day. We all celebrated Iceland not so long ago having yeah, a run. Yeah. And the smaller countries, you know, well, which we are one, and that's a reality, have their day. They come through. You look at the Europeans, you know, the, Den- the Denmarks, Greece, Sweden's always have had their run, Bulgaria, Romania. They're not up there all the time. But every now and again, they produce it, you know, a, a super team locally, which has a run. And that's what we. We can do as well, and we can do it regularly, provided we've got a base. That's yeah, what we've got to do. I was going to say, look at look at Hungary, which has been yep. in the wilderness for years, and it's yep. and in the forties and fifties, they were the benchmark. Yep, and remember that bloke called Ferenc Pushkas. <laughs> yeah. Gee, um, yeah. interesting. You should drop his name. There's yeah. a statue <laughs> outside Amy Park that uh, <laughs> should be should removed be. and put in the front yes. of Bob Jane Stadium or Thanks, Lakeside. Jeff. Is that a possibility? Is that a chance? I think, I think so. That would be that would be seriously wonderful on about fifty different levels. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. 
All right. Thank you, Nick, for, for joining us and for giving us, again, an overview of something seriously exciting. Let's make it all possible and uh, keep us abreast of what's happening. And if we can help, let us know. Absolutely, George. Thank you very much for your support, both of you. Thanks, George. Thanks, Josh.